So good to be with you. My is my. There we go. Good to be with you. I uh, last time I was here in May, it was my first time to Montana, and uh, so this is my second time through. And uh, I hear that there's a fair number of people moving here. I understand why. Yeah, but it, it, it's amazing to me. I said to the group yesterday that uh, how God knits. Uh, spiritual families together is, is amazing to me. It, it's one of the signs that God is always at work. And when I met JR through his sabbatical and then Janie and the family and, and then Jason and Rebecca and his family, I, I feel like, um, I feel like I, coming here is like coming home. It, it just has that vibe. Janie said to me this morning, you know, you were, you were busy going through this. Weren't you tired? And I said, no, I, I really feel like, you know, I, I just... Coming home, seeing family. So I so appreciate that, and I, I hope that I get a chance to, to meet every one of you. We probably won't be able to do that today. But someday, someday we can go get coffee and sit down and talk. I, I want to talk with you about something that's really been important to me recently, and it's, it's the idea of the thread of fellowship. And not just fellowship here, but also how does relationships work You know, sometimes, like, we have the small group launch that's happening, and um, there's there's some of us who have been around. I've been involved with uh, church life for uh, 42 years now, and some of us are like, ooh, I don't know about a small group. You know, people people may not get along. There might be these moments where it feels a little awkward. But here's the thing, is that when, when Christ comes, he comes to turn a page and to say, I want to... I want to give you the power to be a family in a new way. And integral to that is this reality that you will only know how much you're loved by how much you're known. But sometimes when you all of a sudden are found out and they're like, oh, Mark, we didn't know that about you. And there's this awkward moment. You feel the tension on the thread of fellowship. And there's this apostle named Paul who's, he's thinking this could be the last stop for him before he goes to heaven. He's in the slammer. He's got a friend that's come from one of his favorite churches who's telling him that the threat of fellowship at the church of Philippi is being stretched. And Paul writes this letter and he gives to us and to the church of Philippi some real keys that how, 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 Paul, do we keep the thread of fellowship connected? Because as we we open the letter and read towards the back, what we see is that there's these two leaders, these great ladies, and there there seems to be some tension, something going on. He says, I plead with Udea, and I plead with Senteki to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, And I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they've contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers. What he's concerned is there's a tug of war going on. These two ladies had worked together with Paul. They probably were uh, pillars working with Lydia and establishing the church at Philippi. And all of a sudden, Udea finds that out about Senteki, and Senteki finds that out about Udea, and they're like, hi, I didn't know that, and there's tension. But I'll bet you people never have any tension in your relationships, do you? 
Never. It's always smooth sailing, no bumps along the road. And the, real, the, the realization that we come to is that many things aren't perfectly clear and plain. This little diagram, four, no, three. You look at it and you go, it is, no, it, it's, but. And we look at so many things in life and we go, I, I see it this way. And the other person goes, no, 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 it's that way. And so many of the things that we do in life, that we do at home, that we do at work, are preferences and not absolutes. There's perspectives that we hold. I have been a marriage and family counselor for four decades. And the, and the age-old debates rage on. That's not the way you put the toilet paper on. I had this one couple see me, and, and she, she married this mechanical engineer, and he had described in great detail why the toilet paper needs to roll over the top, how it is engineered, and how precisely they cut the little ridges into the strips, and they go back and forth. And I asked them, could it be just a, a preference? He goes, absolutely not. It's an engineering fact. People argue about the toothpaste. You hear about these things. Here's the reality, you guys. There's a man named Dr. John Gottman from the University of Washington, and he has studied for four decades. Thousands of couples, I mean thousands, have come to campus, and then you sign a waiver, and you live in what he calls the love shacks, and they have cameras, and they watch your interactions in places that you signed off, usually the kitchen and the living room. They're watching the interactions. And you know what he's discovered? Because these are only the best of the best couples. That he, he only works with highly satisfied couples. After 40 years of research, he has discovered that 69% of what couples fight, apart, fight about are not solvable problems. They're preferences. Now, you might want to move a chair apart from your spouse for the rest of the sermon. No. You can relax. Because it's not just in marriage and family. It's not just an extended family. It's not just in neighborhoods. It happens here at church. As a pastor, these are some of the things that I have been challenged on. Almost lost my job over some of them. The kids should be in the service. No, they shouldn't. They should be out of the service. The lights should be full on. After all, we're the light of the world. No, they need to be down low so we feel relaxed and we can see the slides. The room's too hot. The room's too cold. Right. That rages on. The sound's too loud. It's too soft. We should dress up. We should dress down. And what do you do with that? There's no clear, obvious place I can point to in the book that says, oh yeah, this is what it says you should do. And that it's got to do with preferences, with ideas, with thoughts. And you feel the stretch. You feel the tension. And any relationship that we have, even the best of friends, there'll be these points where you bump into, I didn't know that, or I don't necessarily think that. And it requires us to be patient, to forbear, to suffer with, to accept, to extend grace. Earlier in the letter, Paul says this. He says, it's been granted to you and I on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer with him. And I think one of the big areas that we're called to suffer with is in relationships. 
just to bear with, to go through, to endure. And so these tensions that we carry, we could describe them in a way as a big rope, which is someplace down here, right here. Would you give me a hand, JR? Yep. Are you going to hurt me? No. We're not going to have a hanging. <laughs> I suppose that's one way of resolving conflicts, but. <laughs> a big rope. Stretch it way out, JR. We'll go way over here, too. That's a nice rope. I wonder who owns this. Pretty nice guy. You could picture the tension, the spectrum along this long rope and the tension, it kind of tugs and pulls back and forth. And, and you guys have heard it in church stuff. Some people say, I choose to follow Christ. Other people go, oh, no, 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 no. Christ said plainly, you did not choose, but he chose you. And so you have free will and predestination, and now you're gridlocked. On one side is the free will, on the other is predestination. There it is, it's the tug of war. And you know what? We could settle a lot of theological debates with tug of wars, right? Just have a good old-fashioned tug of war. Get the sides represented. But the tug of war starts when we get gridlocked. And the idea of gridlocked is the preference I have becomes me. It's not just an idea. It's not just a concept, it's me. And it occupies our position on the rope. So I'm on that side of the rope, and you're on that side of the rope, and it means you could be booting me out. Like if, if you don't adjust the room temper, temperature to my liking, that means you don't really care about me. And that means that you're mean. And the tug of war goes on, and you're gridlocked, and you tug back and forth, back. It forced, and none of you have ever experienced anything like this before, right? And you see, Paul had his own tug of wars. You remember back at the start of the ministry, there was a man named Barnabas who actually went to get Paul and bring him to meet the other apostles. He introduced him in a sense and launched him into his ministry. And all of a sudden, they have a tug of war over this other guy named John Mark. And Barnabas is the encourager, and he says, listen, Paul, we got to bring John Mark with him. we got to give him another try because the mission is people. And Paul says, no, 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 we can't, we can't sacrifice the integrity of the mission for the sake of another person, and the tug-of-war start, and then all of a sudden as the tug-of-war is happening, you know what happened to Paul and Barnabas? The rope broke. And in one of the saddest pages of the scripture, you see these guys who were close partners in ministry and friends, they go their separate ways. And I think now that Paul is penning this letter, it's likely his last epistle. He writes some letters to Timothy and Titus after this, but this is probably the last letter that he writes to a church. And he's got a lot to reflect on. I mean, I know as an old dog, I think back over 40-something years of ministry, there's a lot to reflect on. There's tons of lessons. There's lots of places where I wish I could go back and do that again. And I think Paul feels differently now. 
as he sits in the tension between Udea and Syntechia, I think he's concerned and he doesn't want to see it go the way of he and Barnabas. And he's crying out to these ladies. He's saying, listen, we can do this another way. And sorry, I'm not keeping up with my slides. But a tug of war, how do we do it? You see, the aim of the tug of war is, is there's, there's clearly one winner, but is it that? So I want, I need to have three people to come up who say, I think Barney was right. I think the mission is people. I need three people to come up and grab this rope on this side. Come on up. Don't be shy. Come on. Yeah, I'll take even more. Come on, yeah, come up, come on. Hey, come, come up a little bit closer. Don't leave town. You're in North Dakota over there. And then, yeah, four is fine. I, then I need four people over on this side. Four people, come on up. Four people who say, no, 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 no. The mission matters. Come on. Wow, look at all the mission matters people. Yes. It just got real serious. Four people, four people, right? You guys know how this, how this thing works. You've seen tug of wars, right? You didn't realize this was going to happen at church, did you? Now, some rules about tug of war. We're going we're gonna to settle this thing, right? Now, the aim of the tug of war is that this group over here, the Barnabas side of things, are going to try to pull this group past the, the pulpit right here. And then this group here that's super serious about mission... <laughs> They're going to try to pull the Barnabas side opposite way. Now, one of the keys, though, with tug of war is the rope cannot break, right? If the rope breaks, there's no way to win. And you've got to figure out now something unique. This is old for an old guy to do. Drop the rope. Go ahead, drop it. Trying to grab this piece of thread. (laughs) Because relationships are tied together with a thin thread, aren't they? Feels so good when you're tied together and the thread holds you. Feels so bad when the thread breaks. There you go. There you go. There you go. Now, you're in a dilemma, aren't you? You got to figure out how you're going to get that group to come over across this line or vice versa. How are you going to do it? You can't break the thread. How are you going to do it? And you talk about it. We'll wait. We got all day. What do you got to do, you guys? Well, they're moving to the middle. Moving to the middle. Don't go all the way to the middle. Don't go all the way. Mission matters, right? Whoa, 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 whoa. All the way to the middle. Now, you guys, here you are. You're in the middle. You're moving towards something. What needs to happen? What has to happen? What'd you say? Compromise. 
Compromise. Ooh. Huh? Compromise. Say it with me, people. Compromise. Ooh, it kind of leaves a sour taste in your mouth, doesn't it? Compromise. Collaboration. Yeah, <laughs> collaboration. So if you're going to cooperate, though, in order for this to really resolve, what has to happen? What, has, what does one of these groups need to do? Well, improvise, but what else? Empathize. Yes, empathize. Move the podium. <laughs> Who said that? There's always one. <laughs> Outside the box guy. <laughs> Here are the mission people. Yeah, yeah. No, you don't. Right here. What has to happen, though, to resolve the tug of war? What do one of these groups need to do? They, they need to come across the line. <laughs> Who's going to do it? I just did. You just did. Thank you. They come across the line. Give each other a hug. Now, grab a chair. Yeah, I know. See, mission and... Yeah, grab a chair, you guys. Let's talk about this. You see, the reality, when you compromise, when you do this kind of work, you have to realize it is a thin thread of our relationship. We can't let the thread break. They'll know you are Christians by your love. The thing the world is waiting to see is, is there any place on the globe, is there any place in the planet where I can go and I can be known and I can be accepted and I can be loved just as I am? Is there any place? And we, the church, says, yes, there is. There is. These lighthouses, these cities on the hill, this, this is the place. And then we practice this, which requires us to stretch with compromise and grace because whenever you compromise, there is always someone on the side of the rope that feels like they gave just a little bit more. Can I get an amen? amen. That's what's so challenging for it. The, the whole process is how, Paul, do we do it and do we feel like we all won? And he gives us four things as he wraps this idea, as he makes this plea to Udea and Sateki. He gives us four keys, and I just want to walk you through those this morning so you can put them in the front pocket of your brain and your heart. And the next time that you're in a tug of war, you'll go, oh, that's right. That's right. Remember what Paul said. We're going to have to compromise and meet in the middle. And do you know who the master of the middle is? Jesus Christ, the high priest, who got right smack dab in the middle of our stuff, and he invites us to get right in the same seat. Well, Paul, how in God's good name do we do that? Well, he says this to open. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. He's been saying it all through the letter, but let me say this, that if you're rejoicing, if your happiness is rooted in always getting your way, you're going to be alone and unhappy. Because it's just not happening in the planet. You know, the world, according to Mark Spencer, is a fun place. But when Mark Spencer married Betsy Spencer, all of a sudden my world changed. And I realized, oh, you do the dishes that way? Well, I grew up in a restaurant family and we do them this way. 
Well, buddy, you're going to have to learn compromise. Get in the middle. And we need to realize that in these moments, our happiness is not going to be discovered because we tug somebody over. Have you ever won the fight and lost the friendship? I have. And to be frank, it sucked. I didn't feel like I won anything. I felt like I lost everything. I can't rejoice in the fact that I'm going to get my way all the time. And you know what? You can't either. And we can take it from a dude who's in the slammer. And he's learned to rejoice through hardship. He's learned to rejoice through persecution. He's learned to rejoice that as he sat in the slammer, he probably heard soldiers say, you know what? Today you'll probably die, Paul. And here's this guy saying, listen, I know a way to joy. Follow me in it. And a huge part of our learning and are related to others, has to be that we have a deep-seated root in the joy of the Lord. Unshakable, movable, because Jesus never changes. Jesus is always in the middle. And so rejoice in the Lord, not in getting the victory and winning the tug of war. And tied to this is the next verse, where Paul says, let your gentleness be evident to all, because the Lord's near. How many times... If you've been in one of those heated discussions, would it change if all of a sudden, bleep, there was the Lord's presence manifest right in the middle? I remember some years ago, I was sitting in the Johnson family kitchen and I was refereeing a tough situation between Al and Connie Johnson. And they were going back and forth and back and forth and Al would kind of hold it, hold it, hold it. And when he would lose his temper, it would just be like a volcano. <laughs> and we were talking actually about Al's temper in the moment. He said, I can't, I can't control my temper. And I said, you know what? Maybe you can't, but with Jesus, you can. Otherwise, let's erase all the verses about long-suffering, about patience, about endurance. Let's, let's get rid of those. And so the argument's es- escalating and Al's getting louder and louder and louder. And I, I just made my plea. Al, remember, we've got to slow this down. We've got to quiet it down. He's, I can't quiet it down. I can't go. And the phone rings. Ding-a-ding-a-ding. I can't keep it on. I'm so mad. I'm so frustrated. And I'm so aggravated with her all the time. She just drives me crazy. Hello. <laughs> I'll let him finish. Hung up the phone. He knew he was busted. He sat down. He goes, I did it, didn't I? I said, Yeah. There it is. How much more when we're aware that Jesus is sitting right in the middle of the seat with us? He's right there. Everything changes when the Lord's presence is there. And this Greek word gentleness is a really tough one for the translators. But if you were to say it in Greek usage, you could, you could wrap it up in this phrase. You could say there's something better than justice. There's something better than winning the tug of war. There's something better than saying, I told you so. Something better than going, I knew that. There's something better. And it's called a relationship. It's called fellowship. It's called love. Now, you're sitting here and you're going, let's send this guy back to Minnesota quick. (laughs) Because what it really stirs up in us is anxiety, which Paul hits next. 
He says, don't be anxious for anything. And you see what happens when we're in one of these tug of wars is we feel like I'm going to get, I'm going to get pulled over. Or I'm going to get run over or I'm going to get missed. And the bottom line is someone's not going to take care of me. Who's going to take care of me? I need someone to take care of me. And Jesus is going, pick me, pick me. Your life can be hidden in Christ with God. You can abide. And you see this, this phrase, anxiety, is, is, a, is a word that is a, is a picture word. And it's, it's when your brain gets stuck in a rut and you ruminate over and over and over again. And when you've been in a fight and you've been in a tug of war and it hasn't gone well, what do you do? You ruminate. You go away, I'm so, yeah, I should have. And next time I'm going to tell, and you know what? And that was wrong too. And you know what? I'm going to write that down. That's good. I'm going to get that. And, and, and you're, you're ruminating. You're just turning it around. And that's anxiety. Paul says, don't be anxious for anything. Be in prayer for everything. Making your requests known to the one who can really do it. To the one who really loves you. And the peace of Christ. That passes understanding. Because you go like, I don't know how that would work. I don't know either. But he could do it. It will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And Paul is... It's thinking, yeah, that rumination thing, that's a real problem. And that's why he includes this fourth point. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if it's excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Means to take your brain from the place of I should have said this or I could have done that and go... What are you saying, Lord? What are you saying to me? How do you want me to change? What are you going to do? Do you know that I'm really concerned about what's happening and that I feel lost in it? You, you do know. I appreciate that you know. I'm glad you know. Could you maybe pick up the phone and call the other person over there and help them to know that? Because that would really help. Oh, you love them too. I kind of knew that, but I was hoping maybe something changed. <laughs> but, uh, you know, yeah, it's true. We need to keep our relationship together. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. Yeah, that's true. Help my mind, Lord, to think like you because it tends to get off the rails. I... I, I I really need you to help my brain work like your brain when there's an argument. To shift it. I love how Eugene Peterson translated this section of the verse. He says, summing it up, friends, I'd say you'll do your best by filling your minds and thinking on these things. What's true, what's noble, what's reputable, what's authentic, compelling, gracious. This is what I really like. The best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. In other words, 
think the best of the other person. Extend the grace that Christ has extended to them and to you. Assume the best. Really win the biggest tug of war. Ensure that the threat of fellowship holds the relationship in the grace of Christ. And of course, it's going to take practice. Of course, and you know what? We'll have lots of practice, won't we? Beware, you might even get some practice this afternoon. Where are we going to eat? Well, I'd like to eat over Oh, no, I'm not going to eat over there. And the tug of war is gone. Paul says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. What happens to us? Is there someone that is a good braider of hair here? Come on up. <laughs> no. JR speaking truth. Where do we put the are they underneath here too? Okay. You guys didn't know there was so much stuff. Oh, over here. Okay. All right. So come on up. After you, my dear, for my first trick. <laughs> no. So, I got these two strands, and I ask you to braid them. Go ahead. I'll hang it to the end. Not letting you run away with my props. <laughs> He's pretty good, right? Give her a hand. All right. So the problem with this, and you're already thinking this, I can feel the gears turning. It's not really a braid, she said. You may not have heard that. You can go ahead and let go. What's your name, by the way? Jen. Jen. Thank you, Jen. Now stay here. We're not done. The problem, when there's just two strands, and you guys are probably already tracking because you're a quick group, is it's easy to pull apart. Isn't it? Just did a wedding. And the couple picked this verse out of Ecclesiastes 4. Listen to it. You probably heard it at weddings. Two are better than one. Why? Because they have a good return for their labor. If one of them falls down, the other can help them up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down, they'll keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves cord of three strands is not quickly broken. If we're going to weave this thing in a way that it sticks, what do we need, Jen? We need three. Who do you suppose this third strand represents? <laughs> You're preaching next Sunday. Go ahead. Braid it up. Wow, you, you're good. I have a hard time tying my shoes. So I'm, I'm very impressed. You think we should go the whole way? Are you ready to get off the stage? I don't have another job. <laughs> All right, Jen, let's stop there. Thank you. Give Jen a hand. Now, if I were to secure both ends, you guys know what the story's going, right? It holds together. 
The third strand keeps weaving itself around. You guys, we are in a situation right now where the church has been under fire. And I think, and I would recommend to you, that one of the ways that we can quench that fire and we can begin to glow with the grace of Christ is by the love that we generate and show to one another. One of the most powerful statements is when the body of Christ weaves together by the third strand and says, we're together, we're unmoving, we're unshakable, you can't separate us. We're one in Christ. That is a pretty good church. And I leave you with what Paul said to them and the hopes that you'll weave together. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, for your presence, for how you really do weave us together. And then those moments where there's tension, where we, we, we have to bear with and we have to look for you. But man, when that happens, Lord, that is a statement. When that happens, your presence is obvious in a very tangible way. I pray for each person in the room that in the name of Jesus, you would help them in any of the relational tensions that they're feeling to know. Lord, how does this apply to that? How, Lord, do I rejoice in you? How, Lord, do I let my gentleness be known? How, Lord, do I turn over my anxiety and my anxious thoughts to you in a way that your peace comes and my brain sits still on the thoughts of Christ? Because we know, Lord, we know the truth. We've heard it often. That they'll know, they'll know unquestionably that we're your disciples by our love. Weave us together, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.